You got 19 dead, you got hundreds more infected, and it's spreading like a brush fire. You gotta isolate the sick, and I mean really isolate them, Billy. We gotta get everybody else back into the houses, we gotta keep them there. We're doing that, Sam. No, we're not doing it because I just drove through 100 people. And if one of them has got it, then 10 of them have got it. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, Billy, then we're in deep fucking shit. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I am Tristan. And I'm Greg. Uh, we're coming to you live, but probably not live by the time you're listening. We're recording it live and then it'll be heavily yeah, edited. Yeah, we're here right now. <laughs> yeah, we're here. As we and speak. living. We are alive. But for how long? We are a safe, uh, oh geez, how far apart are we? We're a good one. One and a half. Social distancing, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I'm a pretty natural social distancer anyway. Yeah. It's not been a struggle for me. <laughs> Tristan has not missed physical contact in the form of handshakes. I am thriving right now. I am thriving. I enjoy, uh, <laughs> after a couple of beers, trying to give Tristan a hug. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do. Uh, maybe that's my game. Maybe you maybe you're behind game. all this. Yeah. It is, a, it is unprecedented times, friends of the show – uh, obviously one of the weirder weeks or weirder couple of weeks we've all had. It's been a real turning point this week, at least in Australia, probably the same in the US and uh-huh. maybe UK, less so in Europe and Korea and China. But for a lot of the, a lot of us English-speaking Western world, what a week. Because it was only uh, – I was still shaking hands Monday last week. I think I came over to record last week and you – because I'd been away on holiday – Oh, yeah, I had to bring you up to speed. You oh, yeah, like, so that was the week before. I went for handshaking. It was the week like, before. No, we're not handshaking, man. I was like, no, nah, it's over. Oh. Tapping the elbows and shit now. Um, so in that vein, we thought it might be interesting to do something topical. Yeah. This week. So, sisterhood of the Travelling Pants. Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants. Now, what will happen to the supply chain of those Travelling Pants? Yeah. Uh, and I've accidentally just opened up my work emails, which has distracted me, so I'm closing those. <laughs> I've had to reboot my system here. Um, so, Tristan, before we get into – did we mention what we're doing? So we're doing Outbreak this week. Yeah, we're doing Outbreak. In what happens to be its 25th year anniversary. Yes. Came and out I, in March 20, 1995. 1995. I actually was keen to do this movie pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID. I so think like, he may have eaten some bat soup just to get this thing kick-started. Yeah, yeah. Patient Zero over here. Hey, actually, we're not here to make light of this whole situation, no. first of all. We would say for this episode, we obviously will discuss various elements around what we're going through. Yeah. We will try and keep it light. Yeah. For this hour you have with us, we we anticipate is a bit of escapism for all of us, yeah. us included. And we're all watching these movies for some reason, and this is a great opportunity to dive into that. Why are we drawn to these movies that are paralleling real life right now? What, what do have we you, get out What of have it? you watched this week, um, outbreak. I've watched Contagion. I've watched a bit of World War Z. I think there was something else too. I can't remember, uh, but definitely a lot of end of the world type of stuff. I've watched Outbreak. Twenty eight days later, twenty eight weeks later, which I hadn't seen before. Right. I love those two. Yeah. Well, is there a third one? No. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because Contagion, for instance. In Warner Brothers' database of titles or whatever in terms of performance, it was like number 270. <laughs> Three weeks ago. Yeah, and now it's number two behind only Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry, Harry Potter, uh, which is crazy. Harry Potter. 
you know, that movie's eight, ten years old or so, is it? Somewhere out of that. But even um, obviously the movie we're doing today is it's on Netflix in the US. So in the US it's cracked the top ten. Can, movie, um, this movie's 25 outbreak. years old. Yeah, Outbreak. 25 years old, cracked the top ten on, on Netflix. And there's a whole bunch of others. So there is something really weird about that and interesting and maybe reassuring. I, I think that's why we watch them, but we'll get into all that. But before yep. we get uh-huh. into the episode, would, would, could you indulge me, Greg, to open uh, the Double Impact Mailbag? Absolutely. It would, let's do it. Now, we haven't done this before and, you know, we do get some great reviews that I, we have always wanted to share and we always forget, but we got one today that we just have to share because this is, this is great. We do, yeah, the, the reason we're sharing it if I may add to that, mm-hmm. is that our friend of the show, Deborah J one two three, shout out, mm-hmm. uh, has uh, suggested a drinking game. And now, given the quarantine status of uh, many of the friends of the show are currently experiencing or will likely experience in uh, coming weeks, you know, you might be looking for ways to drink. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> you might be listening to us in a different setting. You might be at home at ten a.m. looking for a drink as opposed to being on the bus or train. Or morning commute. Exactly. So do you want to walk us through the, well, we don't need to tap ourselves on the shoulder with the majority of. of well, I wanted to say, uh, cover a few points of how oh. great we are, but okay. Oh. <laughs> I'll, let it, good. I'll let it go. She, you know, she says a lot about how Tristan's superior to Greg and yep. a few things around uh-huh. that. But she doesn't say that. Did she put an asterisk and at the end say, not? <laughs> not. Yeah. No, she, not. Did, she did not say that at all. Um, but what she did say was. Implied that. To make it interesting with friends, I have I give you the double impact drinking game. Take a drink when you hear the Wow sound bite. Yeah, so everyone um, out there playing along. Wow. Either Tristan or Greg doing an impression. Note she doesn't say the quality of the impression, which is good. That opens Thank it up you. very broadly. When you hear a beer can opening, um, unfortunately we're drinking bottles tonight on Greg's drinking wine. Um, take a drink when there is any Simpsons reference and skull. Don't. Or chug for Americans when any movie what passes if I say, the Bechdel test. The Bechdel test is chug a beer. Bechdel test when it passes because it's very rare, very rare. And the one before that, sorry. The one before that was opening a beer can. Simpsons references. Simpsons reference. So if, what if I said, <laughs> is that a reference and is that yeah. a multiplier? What if I said, <laughs> that's a reference and uh, impersonation. And and what if? And what if? Wow. Another one? Wow. Yeah, another one? Wow. Another one? Wow. Deborah's getting drunk right now. Anyway, Deb, we love you. Thank you for yes. the thank you for the review. And hopefully you're getting your drink Big on right now and we've given you a good head start there. Yeah, we'd love to hear more about where you were if you've actually played this drinking game. Yeah, exactly. And if you survived. Hey, speaking of, we do enjoy reviews here and maybe we'll open the double impact mailbag more often if we get a few cheeky Spicy ones like this ones. in there. These are fun. Um, so please do on Apple Podcasts. It helps with the rankings and it helps us create a much success. So 1995? Yeah, let's get into 1995. Let's rip in. So as is the norm, we will provide a little bit of stability in what is a chaotic environment for us all yep. following predominantly our regular format here on Double Impact. So mm-hmm. to kick it off, I will talk a little about 1995 and – now, this episode, given its theme and our current situation, it would 
be hard not to draw some parallels where we see them throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Parallels between now and then. Yeah. Now, some might assume that 1995 were simpler times. There was no internet, uh, or at least there was no mass internet. Mm. So there were no new waves of mental wellness issues that we're facing currently that have been introduced by social medias and the uh, inherent anxieties that have spawned across the globe off the back of the introduction of these things. Interesting. Okay, yep, yep. Well, you may be right, but you may also be wrong. Okay. 1995 had its own fair share of woes. Mm. Just cast your mind back to the beaches of Baywatch. Rife with drama. What about Melrose Place? Within one small apartment courtyard complex in West Hollywood, you had lies, deception, infidelity, murder, and tax evasion. What's that you say, Tristan? Yeah, what? You want a real world example? I want a real world example. Get out of fantasy land. As we face into a global recession outside of China, Why don't we reflect on some of the economic headwinds of 95? Right. Now, on October 3rd, 1995, when O.J. Simpson was acquitted of murder on Mm. both counts, so much work in the U.S. stopped to pay attention to the trial, and more specifically the verdict of the trial, that American companies estimated a $480 million loss in productivity. Right. So are you suggesting that sometimes the human response to disaster can be more devastating than the disaster itself? Well, that's I didn't, but that's profound and correct. Mm, that's kind of what's happening now in some ways, in not, some to, ways. not to diminish those directly impacted. Indeed. So, you know, the grass isn't always greener and it's not always as good as we remember it. And let's not forget the personal challenges some folks faced back in 95. Simple regular, everyday folks like Richard Gere and Cindy Crawford. Did you know that they were forced to take out a full-page ad in the London Times to proclaim their heterosexuality? So it's, you know, it's, it wasn't like we, we looked back on, on 95 Facebook, and it was all peaches and cream. Yeah, it was not all peaches and cream. And I would say to the backdrop of all of this was Gangster's Paradise. They say if you sync up Gangster's Paradise with Outbreak. Oh. It's a perfect marriage. So that's 95. What a year. Big hit for movies too. It was. We've we've had a few hits from this year, haven't we? We have. And also this is one of those years where, you know, it's a bit of a learning curve doing this podcast and my my sources for research. And we've, we've always strived to represent global worldwide box office, and what I've found is in some of the years we've covered in the past, I've actually been looking at US. So I will go through the top 10 for 95 because I think it's one of those years I had wrong. So the number one movie globally in 1995 was Die Hard with a Vengeance. You've changed the numbers. So what we were doing before was US as it turned out. Oh. Toy Story was number two. Pocahontas number three. Pocahontas number four. They came out in the same year, Greg. Oh, no way. <laughs> GoldenEye number three. Um, Brown eye number six. Yeah. That's not even funny. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. I'm unclear. (laughs) Quarantine does weird things to people. Yeah, but you've been going to work. (laughs) I've been going to work, so I've got nothing there. Um, Batman Forever number five, number six, Apollo 13, 
seven at number seven, which is quite fitting. I wonder if that was the plan. Um, Casper at number eight. Waterworld at number nine. Jumanji at number ten. Casper the Friendly Ghost. The Friendly Ghost, Just yeah. to clarify. Yeah. And at number 14, the movie we're talking about today, Outbreak. couple of quick stats on Outbreak. So it came out in March 1995, exactly 25 years ago. Budget of $50 million, a gross of $190 million. Came in at number 14, as we said. Respectable numbers there. For what I would argue in this day and age, at least three months ago before coronavirus land, probably a Netflix movie at best. It would probably wouldn't even go to cinema these days. Like it's very just, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, nope. Now, maybe now. Now. (laughs) Now. For now. Big cast. Big cast to not be on the big screen. Well, the cast cast would probably be different too. Like it wouldn't have. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into all that. so much in that. In terms of run tomato scores, critic score of 60%, audience score of 56%. Neck and neck. And probably relatively on point without showing all my cards just yet. I'd say that's probably about right. Uh, A gentleman six. (laughs) What did Roger He gave it three and a half stars apparently He gives a lot of three and a half stars it's, He's very inconsistent isn't he There's a lot of like ones Oh, I like you, to- what, you'll, you'll read something like Van Damme Street Fighter or something and It'll be like critical response in the Wikipedia article and It'll be like yeah everyone said it was shit Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars See, Celebrating it <laughs> I need to un- At some point I need to spend a bit of time To understand Roger Ebert Because he's obviously He was the man right Yeah But from what I've read It's just He doesn't Like he just says It makes me like him more though Me too I like it Because that's what got me to, hooked on David and Margaret Trying to understand oh, no, So for 30% David and Margaret were our Ebert and Siskel Wait You knew about Ebert before David and Margaret? No 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 I knew about Ebert probably in the last 10 years or something. No, but yeah. what got me into David and Margaret was when Margaret gave oh, gotcha, Fast sorry. and Furious like four out of five yeah. stars. Yeah. I was like, you're interesting. Not that I like Fast and the Furious. I actually oh, don't really David. like it. Yeah, but I was like, you're interesting. This is an old lady. And she's like, oh, it's just a bit of fun. I love it. I love it. Yeah, they, and actually they're very Morgan Freeman-esque in a way because they've been the same age for the last 30 years. We need to – Explore getting one of them on the show. Fuck, I would love it. I did tell you that an old friend is David's niece. Right, and she's a friend of the show? Is she listening? Uh, probably not, but mm. she might have to now. She might Could be our next campaign 2000. Danya, if you are listening, she's not. not. <laughs> hey, what was your personal context with this movie? I watched it. Yeah? I hadn't watched it. I Really? And that's what I'm aware of anyway. I've seen this multiple times. I may have seen it in the cinema. Good chance. Yeah. I definitely watched it multiple times on the old VHS at home. Yeah. I loved this movie when I was a kid. Oh, okay. Right. So if you'd asked me two weeks ago about this movie, I would say, yeah, Morgan Freeman in a hazmat suit and a monkey. That's all I know about it. I knew particular scenes very well. So watching this, obviously it's been a while since I've seen it. So there's scenes that I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But there's some that I vividly, vividly, colourfully remembered. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as we said, this this shit is trending right now. Everyone's been watching it. So if people didn't grow up with it, they probably watched it recently. If you haven't, pause this and go watch it now. Or if you don't mind spoiling, stick around. 
But first, why don't we get into the origin story? Origin story. This is a pretty juicy one, actually. At first, I was like, oh, this is going to be quite light. Juicy like a peach or juicy like an apple? Uh, it's crispier. Yeah, I would give it an apple. Crispy, juicy. Um, so how's this for a bit of crisp? So this is technically not based on, but very closely linked to a book by Richard Preston called The Hot Zone, mm-hmm. which is a nonfiction book. A true story reporting. Nonfiction means true. Yeah. Wow. So the book covered sort of the origins of the Ebola virus and Marburg virus and whatever that group of viruses are called, that, that type of virus. What's a plural for virus? Viri, viruses, viruses. Probably just viruses. Cyrus of virus. Cyrus of viruses, yeah, I believe that is the, the term. Um, four sections in this book. There were kind of four mini stories, I suppose. The Shadow of Mount Elgon, The Monkey House, Smashed Down, um, The Naked Mile, no, Kitom Cave. So each of these stories were um, stories of either individuals or origins of various viruses, um, I think mostly in Africa. And they were pretty hardcore. Yeah. True stories but hardcore. So Stephen King said the first chapter of this book was one of the most horrifying things he's ever read in his life. Oh, yeah. that's good. So it's interesting, right? So it started as a article in The New Yorker by the same guy, Richard Preston. He wrote an article for The New Yorker called Crisis in the Hot Zone. And this thing sparked a bidding war, a bidding war mm. um, between – What a lovely turn of events for Richard. Yeah, Richard's killing it between 20th Century Fox – and um, Warner Brothers has created this pudding war. So 20th Century Fox, the producer, Linda Obst, she was pretty aggressive and she won. She won this pudding war. She got the rights to the hot zone. She's killing it. Mm. She's like, fuck yeah, I got this. Mm. I, I, this, is, this is some hot shit I got right here. This is the hot zone. I'm in the hot zone. Did she actually say all that? Uh, yeah, I mean, one can assume. Confumed. Confumed. Yeah. Confumed. <laughs> but the Warner Brothers Ridiculous. dude, Arnold Copelson, who did not win, was like, fuck it, I'm going to make a movie that's kind of similar anyway and get it done faster. So by virtual... Just like the virus, yeah, speed kinda. trumped yeah. strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the wrong decision is better than indecision or something. Isn't that close? That's close. Yeah, I think we're both on Something the like that. Anyway, so he went and made this movie. It's not that she was slow, but she was trying to make a really good movie, I suppose, and things were taking a while. She was getting Ridley Scott. She was getting Robert Redford. Like this was like some some top-tier yeah. shit. And he made Outbreak and then by the time that happened, 20th Century Fox were like, like we're not going we to – we're not going to make another thing. Why not? Like that because that's been done. It's like, Yeah. Um, what about uh, Armageddon and Yeah, it's a good impact. point. Well, those are what supposed about to be serendipitous and- perhaps. The other volcano movie. Volcano. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) What about Pocahontas and Toy Story? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now you're talking. So (laughs) this guy, real son of a bitch, good on him though. Arnold killed it. Uh, (laughs) So the actual adaptation of The Hot Hot Zone never ended up happening. Man. Fuck. But it was supposed to be a lot better. Well, from her point of view, a lot reckon, better. They eventually made a miniseries on National Geographic or something. Do you reckon that per, those people associated with that are like sitting in some bar now, just some yeah dive bar? Robert make, Redford's like, if only. Robert Redford. 
Robert, actually, Robert Redford. So was he going to be? He was going to be, I guess, a. That's his role for sh- all day, isn't it? Yeah, he has such gravitas. So much, such gravitas. Like he's done that role in in various forms, like the International Man of Things. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen many Robert Redford movies. I'm a big fan, but I feel like Brad Pitt's basically becoming him. So I, I don't. Yeah, need to. they've got a slightly different tangent. But he could, they could play a young and old version of each other. Well, that, sure. they pretty much have in that Spy Game movie. Oh, was it? Oh, this has come up before. Because this is one of those things where I'm like, you know, I've always thought. And you're like, uh, yeah, they've done it's called that. called Spy Game. Yeah. That's like the time I invented it is the in- credit card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, what if instead of carrying, and then I circled all the way around to so like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, it's a credit card. That's kind of satisfying at the same time. Yeah, but most of my ideas Equal are parts. that. Because sometimes I'll have an idea and I'll Google it. It's called it. a motor. Motor vehicle. <laughs> it's like a horse, but it's fueled. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even at one point, I said Ridley Scott was attached, but even at one point, apparently, air quotes, who the fuck knows? It's the internet. But apparently Wolfgang Peterson was even attached to present to, to direct that particular picture. Didn't happen. You know what he directed instead? Outbreak. Outbreak. Wolfgang Peterson, he's a German director. He's made a lot of movies and they're all over the place. In terms of American movies, he's made The NeverEnding Story, In the Line of Fire, Air Force One. Wow. I'm wow. waiting for an Air Force One. Wow. Give me an Air Force One. Get off my plane. There you go. Air Force One, The Perfect Storm, wow. Troy, wow. Poseidon, wow. and it's just wow. a weird mix. Like what is – it doesn't seem What's to have a thing. What's the common thread? What's his thing? Um, okay, well, Perfect Wait. Storm had a boat. Mm-hmm. Dust Boot had a submarine. Submarine, yeah, yeah, okay. What else you got? Give me another one. Outbreak had a monkey. Outbreak had a had a had a boat. I don't think it had. Oh, I did have a boat. Yep. I guess it's it's a nautical theme. Never ending story had a flying dragon type thing. Yeah, dragon dog thing. What else? Come on, one more. Give me one more. Air Force One. Plane. <laughs> yeah. So there's flying and there's. There's a lot of vehicular exploration. Yeah, there's things. The idea of transport traveling, how would a virus travel in this mm, modern correct, age of globalization? So That's what he posits here. Um, casting. Donald Sutherland was also brought in to replace Joe Don Baker, who was someone I thought I didn't know, but he's the American guy in um, oh. Gold, GoldenEye. And when he's like meeting Pierce Brosnan, he's like, come on, guy, and whatever. Nope. Oh, he's also in um, Congo. I think he's the rich guy back at home base, back at the yes, HQ. That guy. That yeah. guy. You'll know him when you see him. We'll put it on the gram. Who was he meant to be? He was going to be Donald Sutherland's character, but I think they wanted someone who's a bit more. Scary? Uh, yeah, scary. He's got the voice. Like a bit more like serial killery. Yeah, like that creep. Yeah. A bit more militant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all of these things. It was good casting to select Donald. It was good casting. It was. I was always scared of Donald as a child. Really? I have. I was relatively sheltered from the Sutherlands as a child. Probably Lost Boys was my only Sutherland joint for a long time. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. We'll explore that another yeah, well, time. Yeah. Well, when why we don't talk I play the trailer for this movie? Yes, please. In a remote African jungle, a small monkey is captured, bound for a pet store in America. The animal carries a deadly virus. Ah, Now, I know that some of us have doubts about what we're about to do. We'd be less than human if we didn't. But the fate of the nation, perhaps the world, is in our hands. We cannot. 
we dare not refuse this burden. I'm confident that each of you will do his duty. God forgive us. Your town is being quarantined. We got 19 dead. We got 100 more infected. It's spreading like a brush fire. What are you talking about? If one of them's got it, then 10 of them have got it now. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, we have a very interesting problem. If that bug gets out of there, 260 million Americans will be dead or dying. I'm leaving with the team in an hour. From the heart of a small California town. Damn it, Sam, I want to save these people, same as you. To the inner circle of power in Washington. The most optimistic projection for the spread of the virus is this. 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours. The greatest medical crisis of all time. We can't stop it. Begins. Try to remain calm. Many people are dying and are going to continue to die unless we find this monkey. There will be panic the likes of which we have never seen. There you are. All right, what a trailer, good trailer, not bad trailer. Greg, you want to talk us through? Uh, yeah, I'll give it a little recap for those. I mean, the premise is pretty obvious. I'll give yeah, it. Yeah, the monkey. There's a monkey involved. Uh, so we open on a warlike scene in what seems to be an African jungle. Oh, yeah. It appears there's an Ebola-like disease ripping through the men. Bleeding eyes, pussy excretions. Yeah. The hazmat men come in to investigate. They say they're sending help. They take a blood sample. They disappear. And the plane comes in to save people that drops something else. And the doctor looks happy for he a looks second, happy. doesn't he? And then the, he realises what's been dropped from the plane. And his smile. They're falls. nice enough to attach a parachute, parachute to the bomb. Yeah, they parachute in for a bit of dramatic pause. But man, that actually, I was shocked. I wasn't expecting that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty I cool, was I like, think. oh, fuck. I also didn't realise it was the past well, <laughs> until way later. I was like, oh, that was the 60s. When did you realise it was the 60s? I think some there was something where they referred to it. I think maybe that's nothing was like in 67 or whatever. And I was yeah. like, oh. I missed that as well. I, I only read it. I, was like, I read it today. Oh. Yeah. It's not clear. Yeah, it's not Make clear. Make it clear. Put it, have them listen to the Beatles or something. Why say if you didn't yeah. say, unless they did. <laughs> well, they, they may have, yeah. But we all missed it. We All of us. Together. Yeah. Uh, so we're now we're in current day in 95 and the virus is back. We get introduced to uh, this uh, annoying little know-it-all named Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> He's <or> little. <laughs> in this film, Sam. He's yeah. some kind of army doctor guy. Yeah. Very confident, probably small man syndrome. Yeah. Sam doesn't like what he sees. He's asked to go and investigate this. He doesn't like what he sees. Put out an alert, he says. Sam's right the whole time. Yeah. He's on this like white on rice. <laughs> He's on this like, like stink on shit. Stink on shit. I think that's the saying. I think it is. Um, like a monkey on a banana. Yeah. Something. Sam's right the whole time. But his naughty boss, Morgan, doesn't let him. Because mm. he's even naughtier boss. Donald wants to keep the weapon. Yeah. So it's a weapon. Anyway. Well, that's the other part I didn't realise for ages. Yeah, it's a weapon. Oh. I realised that bit pretty quickly. Yeah, I must have missed part of that. Yeah. 
So then this monkey takes this to America. Now it's America's problem. Naughty monkey. Uh, luckily, Sam is there to save the day. Sam, Uncle Sam. Oh, that's interesting. You know? That's interesting. Can't all be bad for America. Mm-hmm. So the monkey scratches Jimbo, a.k.a. Mick Dreamy, the college years. Yeah, right? That was surprising. He it? played really a different type in those days. He did play a different type. Yeah. Did he have a cross earring, perchance? Yeah, he, if he didn't, he should have. It was definitely that aura. It was that, yeah, it was that vibe. Now, Naughty Jimbo scratched. Now, he goes and tries to sell this monkey, infects the monkey salesman. And all of a sudden, we've got a problem on our hands. Mm. This whole town starts getting wiped out. Virus gets mutated. Sam's still saving the day. Sam's going to find the host. It's a race against time. It's a lot of pointing and yelling. It is. There is. (laughs) I'm pointing right now. Yeah. It's a race against the baddies. Yeah. But it's okay because Cuba Gooder Jr. can fly the shit out of a helicopter. Damn, he can do it all. Um, we also get to watch Kevin Spacey die a slow, painful death. Three stars. Mm. <laughs> I agree. Great point because I, I had that in my notes. Oh, Kevin Spacey's in this. Fuck that guy. What yeah, an asshole. You messaged me. Yeah. Oh, it's probably the same thing to you. And then I was just thinking. Ah, oh, well, you'll be delighted to know that he'll be bleeding out of his eyes. And no yeah, this time. was the same year as Usual Suspects and Seven. Crazy. So big year for him. He also sexually harassed two people in 95 and then 20 people over the next 20 years and people before that too. Fuck that guy. I never liked that guy. I just see it's always, there was something. Yeah. There was he's something. quite clearly a creep. Yeah, he's a massive creep. Quite clearly. Uh, and he, he's so good at playing a creep too. So part of me was always like, well, maybe he's just a great actor. But no, seeing him interviewed, I'm just like, you're unsettling. you're not a good person. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's the soapboxes I'll get on this one. Um, I don't like him. Initial thoughts on this one. To your point, that first that first um, parachute bomb, you know, I thought they were dropping the snacks and such. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always picture as a rush. It's like... <laughs> Um, but it was a bomb. I was like, oh, do, fuck. Do we need to clarify what the snacks are for our, Most, well, our listeners abroad? 50% no. The Aussies no. Um, the snack was what we ate in the schoolyard by Uncle Toby's little snack. It was three crackers and a little cheese for dipping. Le snack, a le small pack of goodies in a range of delicious flavours. Yeah, a little self-individually packed. You peeled back the layer, you got the crackers and the, the gooey cheese dip. It was a perfect little lunch snack. It was a it formed, recess. It snack. formed part of a perfect little lunch. Yeah, I'd smash a little snack. Yeah, it just popped into my head. <laughs> um, but it was bomb. Do you reckon there'd be a run on little snacks at the moment? Oh, there, oh, there's obscure things being. Apparently, Rizzoni is hanging back. <laughs> One of my mates got really upset by that. He's <laughs> yeah. like, "I love Rizzoni. Yeah, I cooked it last week." <laughs> like, well. Now's your time to top up, champ. Someone made, uh, you know, sorry. Jason, Jason, if you're listening. In the advertising industry, someone made a post about what all the brands that are left over and how they need to reevaluate some of the shit they're doing if they're the ones not being taken. It's interesting. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that, that, that early part really shocked me. And I was, I think I was probably then, I still, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I am, uh, I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's, extremely 1995, which I'm unable to really elaborate on other than just the vibe it's of dated. it. It's dated. 
Yeah, yeah, but in, in good ways and bad ways, it's just is more than the aesthetic. It's, it's just a vibe yeah, that is yeah. maybe the fact, just the tone of this movie. It's very disaster movie ninety five. It's an action movie, isn't it? it kind of. Well, like it's not just a yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like a, the con the the template of like a disaster movie. Like Ara made a great point. Wife of the show, watching it. Uh, Morgan Freeman makes a nice speech towards the end and she's like he could be talking about anything right now he could be talking about an asteroid coming to earth he could be talking about you know he was like speaking over a loudspeaker about something like get ready it's this is he happening he could get ready living or get ready dying <laughs> yeah get ready dying exactly and I was like great insight. he did that, reference Andy Dufresne in that <laughs> he may have monologue, yeah, which yeah. is quite weird he, t- he mentioned a series of tunnels they're digging oh wait that was Lost Tapes <laughs> <laughs> He's referring to the president in Deep Impact. Yeah. But yeah, when Ara said we that. We built some tunnels. <laughs> and Mazora. And Mazora. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, it's, it's that same monologue, yeah, right? Yeah. And when Ara said that, I was like, you're right. This is like they've, they've put the template of a disaster movie on what, I guess it can be a disaster movie, but not what I, I wasn't expecting it to be that. What, what was your initial thoughts on it? Uh, look, it was fine. Uh, I would say it's dated a lot. Yeah. And as I was mentioning, not just from a visual standpoint, but just from a filmmaking standpoint. Yeah. You know, you, we'll get into some comparisons with Contagion soon because it's probably an interesting comparison to be made in how you, tr- the treatment of this kind of topic. But generally, like the dialogue, the characters, the story arc, it's all really basic, one dimensional, smack you over the mm. head. This is the good guy. This is the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Listen to the good guy. He's right. Yeah. And I'm always right. Yeah. One of the bad guys kind of changes, but then the end. Well, should we should we go through the stacked cast first? Because it is stacked, man. Kubo was was a breath of fresh air every time it was around, I thought. It was just like I had a good vibe going. Yep. Yeah. Until he touched all those women as well. Did he? Oh, I see another one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this cast. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman's supposed to be a dirtbag. Well, no, he's just a difficult guy. Morgan Freeman. What did he do? And I found out. What do you mean? He's got a bunch of charges. Really? Yeah. Of what? Touch on the latest. Really? Fuck. Like charges? Like, like yeah. enough where? Because you know, like, sometimes I'm like, well, benefit of the doubt and all that. But when it's like Kevin Spacey and it's like, so fifty. <laughs> we've got Cuba, Morgan, and Kevin all from this movie, who have all been Shit. significantly me tooed. Fuck. I know. Cuba and and Morgan, I was like, those guys are good peeps. He's played God. He probably, yeah. Well, he's how, yeah, exactly how I imagine God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah, sorry. That puts a damper on all this. Sorry, did I come in too early with that? No, that's fine. It is. It always does create a bit of an internal struggle because you don't want to gloss over it, but also we, like, we can't just – it's this, there's so much of this shit that very easily this podcast could just be talking about but how horrible yes. everyone is. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. But, but, it, but, it, uh, but I would like out. to know how Rene Russo found the set. Yeah. Good point. Given she's not co starred with a, with a, there's, there's no Bechtel coverage here. But yeah, speaking of Bechtel, um, very on theme for that, she was supposed to be in Batman Forever. Poison Ivy. As, no, Batman Forever, the one with Nicole Kidman, the one we did. It's Chase Kilmer. Meridian. It's Chase Meridian. There you go. And that was while Michael Keaton was still attached. 
But then, of course, Michael Keaton dropped out because Tim Burton wasn't directing or whatever. And they cast Val Kilmer. And the the word on the street is Rene Russo then was shafted because she was too old to play opposite Val Kilmer. Now, that's if that ain't anti-Bechtel territory, I don't know what is. Mental. Yeah, that's bullshit. I'm a Renee fan. And let me tell you, she's she's sculpted. Her face looks like a Roman goddess (laughs) sculpted in marble. Definitely sculpted. She, she, like, how, man. I feel she would have charisma by the, she does have. Exactly. She's one of those people I'd like to meet. Yeah, she seems like a, yeah, yeah, I agree. She, um, she, I mean, Nicole Kidman was all right. I'm not sure what that means. I know what you mean. It's like, you have your fantasy dinner party and John Lennon's there and, I don't think she'd make that cut. Oh, really? Well, it's a big ask. You don't get. Well, how big is the dinner party? Oh, I don't know. I've got six chairs only. Ten people. Yeah. All right. Let, let, let's plow through the cast real quick because I think Renee Russo That's, was was what uh, answer? What did Morgan say to Kevin? Let's plow through the cast real quickly. <laughs> Ding! What did Kevin say to Morgan? Oh, good. Anyway, um, blah, blah, blah. Dustin Hoffman, he does look very little, does he not? And multiple times, not just for the littleness. Well, it's inconsistent, I'll get to that. But often in a wide shot, you'd be like, here's this little guy running around. And <laughs> <laughs> you think that? Yeah, he looks really little. I'm more conscious of it now because there's been a few of these where I'm like, I know that guy's short and I know they do things to make him not look short. So for context, he is. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> He's 21 centimetres shorter than Morgan Freeman. Yet when they're side by side on screen, they're, Morgan Freeman is slightly taller. 21 centimetres is more than two-thirds of a foot for the 30%. That's significant. So I looked into – because this has come up a few times and I, I was just like, how do they actually do this? Like, yeah, what, I think I'm a, fit to, a foot taller than my sister. Yeah, there you go. So if, quite a bit. if you were having a heated debate about how to tackle a virus outbreak and trying to capture it on camera – one of you's got to be wearing heels. And so apparently what's that, that's what they do. So they wear these shoes with lifts. No, you mean the shorter person's got to wear the heels. Yeah, Because if the taller person Oh, you're just heels, exacerbating the problem. It would exacerbate. You're exactly. exacerbating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. you don't want to exacerbate in that scenario. No. You want to do the opposite of exacerbate. Re-exacerbate. <laughs> you want to exacerbate. So they, there's, you can get shoe lifts up to five inches. <laughs> Tom Cruise does it all the time. Robert Downey Jr. does it all the time. How tall is Robert Downey Jr.? He's like 5'9", Tom Cruise is 5'7". And I think that might be why Robert Downey Jr. always wears flares too. So you must, they must have been doing it in this. They wear these shoes. They're also called Elevate. That's okay, isn't it's it? It's decent, but I think um, – It's all okay. Yeah, hey, hey, it's all fine. We're just thinking in respect from a camera's perspective. It's how to make the shot. And so they do all these tricks and it's – But it's, then you go like Liam Neeson and shit. Who's like ten feet tall and whatever? Yeah, Chasing but this is the thing, though. He's but, trying to find his daughter. But he's probably in a movie with Tom Cruise somewhere where they're looking eye to eye, you know. So they do all these things. They, I don't know if this is just like a colloquialism, but apple boxes. <laughs> they have people stand on apple boxes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who used to use that all the time? Tom Cruise, um, uh, Mulder, and Scully. Oh wait, who's short Scully's? That one? Scully's like she's five foot. Right. Interesting. So it's interesting how the brain, the because most people say when you see a celebrity, you're surprised how short they are. It's interesting how the brain just makes Except assumptions. Except for basketball. Yeah, things. yeah. But it's 
yeah, I don't know if it's a proportion thing or like a default brain setting where you just kind of project what you think. That, yeah, I don't know. But um, I, I found this whole weird area of the internet and I found this um, forum of celebrities in elevator shoes, they call them elevator oh. shoes, yeah. And so De Niro, there's just like De Niro in that new. Well, that movie? was the perfect one because that basic that's the only one where you it's explicitly elevated shoes. He's wearing these massive platforms in The Irishman to make him taller than um, Al Pacino. Everyone, Al Pacino. But apparently, Tom Cruise would use Apple boxes all the is time. Is that why he was looked like he was sorry? Is that why he yeah. looked like he was falling over when he tried to beat up that man out the front of the shop? Yeah, I think it's that, and also because he's eighty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I kick you down the stairs, dear. <laughs> Yeah, it's got this damn onion tied to my belt. <laughs> what um, were you saying? <laughs> we uh, Apple boxes. So Tom Cruise is five foot seven, and Cameron Diaz, you know, Vanilla Sky, is five foot nine. Nicole Kidman's five eleven. Yeah, they're in these movies. They're looking eye to eye. I would suggest two inches isn't that much, is it? It's but they're eye to eye. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So I think it's this is definitely what's happening with Dustin here. He's got a few Apple boxes under his feet. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I was just curious about how that all went down because it's, it's come up a few times for me. So I'm glad I got closure on that. But separate to that, somewhat related, is I couldn't help but think many times throughout the movie, God, he is good casting for Tom Cruise's brother, not just for height but the nose. And because I'm looking at him younger here too mm. and I haven't seen Rain Man in a long time. I was going to say you're familiar with the film Rain Man. No, no, no that's <laughs> yeah. what I mean. That's what yeah, I mean. I'm sorry, like, yeah, yeah. That's per- that is great casting. Yeah, it is. He's uh, perfect. It'd be like Tom Cruise is the movie star of the Yeah, the exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And Dustin's the, yeah, the Danny DeVito. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought Cuba was good. I thought Renee was good. I thought Donald Sutherland was good. I was surprised to see McDreamy in there. Colonel Briggs. <gasps> is that the moustache guy? It's the moustache guy. Love him. He's my low key MVP. He's my low key MVP <laughs> for sure. So this guy, oh, you want to? Yeah, you can. You give this bit because well, I got just, a bit of a story. He afterwards. just got shot on. Basically, Donald Sutherland's character is his boss, I suppose, and he boss keeps telling him, "He's like, you fucked up. You're like, yeah. you're a little shit. Like, you fucking idiot." Full military style. Yeah, like, and this guy has a great moustache. Like, this guy looks great military. Looks legit. And then he he walks away several times in this movie, like, okay. It's real sad. And then at the end he gets to arrest Donald Sutherland yeah. and, he's, and he's like, oh, I hope you're enjoying this. Yes, you're like, going to enjoy this, aren't you? And he just gives this perfect little smile. <laughs> oh, it's great. I cheered, I think, at that point. Yeah. yeah that, was, it's, that was so good. It's really good, Because it's it? not too over the top. It's kind of understated. It's there. Yeah. And it, it could lead to nothing and that's fine. Yeah. But it, then it, 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 they had fun was, with it. Oh, that was good. That was great. So the beauty behind that is that there is something behind that. <laughs> so this guy, Colonel Biggs, is played by a guy called uh, Dale Adam Dye. So I like the cut of his jib. Yeah. So I thought I'd do a bit of digging on the old uh, Colonel Briggs. Uh, it turns out he's a real-life war hero. Oh, he's, he's got that face, He's man. got a military face, right? Yeah. Um, so he was awarded a Bronze Star with a um, Combat V for heroism. So you get your Bronze Star and then... That's he's got a particular one, particular one yeah. for heroism. He saved a bunch of people in Nam. Right. So he's got this amazing backstory. He really wanted to be in the armed forces. He failed the um, test to get into the navy because he maths and right. science. He was really bad, but he had outstanding English skills. So he got in. He went into the Marines and became a correspondent. Um, so you've got to write about what's happening and this sort of stuff. Right. While he was, he apparently was quite late in, later in life, not late in life, but he's a little bit older than the, you know, 17, 16-year-olds. Yeah. Guys. 
he um, became good friends with a fellow Marine correspondent by the name of Gustav Hasford, who gave him the nickname Daddy D.A. Now, you probably don't recognise the name Gustav Hasford, I assume. Mm. Um, Gustav went on to write a semi-autobiographical view on his time in the military that went on to be the basis for a little film called Full Metal Jacket. What? Yeah, so... Wow. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? That's a wow, man. So he just yeah. happened to be in the uh, – and there was a character called Daddy D.A. in Full Metal Jacket. Fuck. Not a, not one of them. I don't think it's the major. It's not yeah, obviously but, private piles or anything. But um, So that's pretty cool. And then, huh. af- and then after he left the forces in 1984, he founded this thing called Warriors Inc. And the company specializes in training actors in war films so they can portray their roles realistically and – Gives them, you know, like all the details to be like a war actor, yeah, uh, on on set consultation and all that sort of thing. And it's like his company is like the number one military consultation huh. firm in Hollywood. Huh. And he's written a bunch of books. Fuck. And he's done all this stuff. So that guy is a fucking pretty significant. Actually, human. so I think I'd heard of this guy in other stories, maybe around hearing about Full Metal Jacket, but I didn't know who he was. I did. Like that there was some guy. Yeah, he's just like I, I literally stumbled on this today. An advisor or something. Yeah, how cool wow, is that? That's cool. Like he's got this whole company that. Oh man, it's mad. What a legend! I know, right? And he's so awesome in. Well, I think the guy in Full Metal Jacket is also a military guy, right? The guy. That, yes, yeah. the, the. Yeah, he's actually. I will gouge out your eyeballs and skull fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, dear <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Happy birthday to you! Yeah. yeah so he. They were using in Full Metal Jacket. They yeah. were using that guy to train, yeah, right. the, the actor, and then they went, you know what? We'll just use you. <laughs> You're perfect. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, that's all I got on him. Well, I've got a similar thing on the cast actually. That pesky little monkey. He's been in a few things. Do you look familiar? He's been in a few things. <laughs> now there is some um... Temple of Doom. <laughs> Maybe. Well, so this. <laughs> It does get a bit murky because there are. A f- <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound like a monkey either. No, neither. No, nah, it does. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway, this guy, there's a few contradictory things out there, but the version I like is that this monkey's been in, in, in quite a few things. So this monkey was also in Friends. Do you remember that Russ. <gasps> Of course. Marcel the monkey. Marcel. Marcel the monkey. So what's great about that is, and and I think what's happened with this, there's some contradicting facts out there. I think maybe that monkey over a period of time was played by different monkeys. But at some point it was played by this monkey. And the life cycle or, or the journey, the character arc, I suppose, of Marcel on that TV show over the seasons was quite interesting. So it was his pet monkey. Um, then it went back to a pet store. Then it got... Um, wait, hang on. No, it ended up in a zoo, then it got kidnapped. Then it ended up in movies and it made a movie with JCVD within the story of Friends, which I'll come back to. But then also within the story of Friends, <laughs> Marcel was cast in a movie called Outbreak 2, The Virus Hits Manhattan. And it is in at this point in the story that Ross goes to visit him on set of Outbreak 2. No way, Jose. Yeah, no way, Jose. And this, wow. this little clip happens. This is so exciting. I haven't seen my monkey in almost a year. What? You never looked down in the shower? <laughs> oh, please. I'm not allowed to make one joke in the monkey's penis genre. 
Come on, people. Back up, please. Back up. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Uh, excuse up. me. Uh, where can we find the monkey? I'm sorry, guys. A close set. Uh, I'm sorry. You, you don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm a friend of his. We, uh, we used to live together. Yeah. And I have a time sharing the Poconos with Flipper. Ross, there he is. Hey, hey, buddy. Marcel. Marcel. In the jungle. Yeah. In the jungle. The I didn't remember this. Jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. A window, 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 a window. You get the idea. The monkey goes and says hello, and they all have a good time. But yeah. isn't that interesting? Potentially, even more interesting is the fact that he did make a movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme within the story of Friends as well, which means that friend of the show Jean-Claude Van Damme actually had a cameo in Friends, which I forgot about, but I didn't oh, know yeah, yeah. that the monkey was the link to that. Um, Man, and that's incredible. You know I'll take any excuse to play a clip like this with friend of the show Jean-Claude Van Damme, so here it is. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. What? Sean Claude Van Damme. I didn't know he was in this movie. He's so hot. You think? The muscles from Brussels. Wham Bam Van Damme. Did you see Time Cop? No. Was he any good in it? Rachel, he like totally changed time. Wow. So why don't you go talk to him? Yeah. What? So you go over there, you tell him you think he's cute? What's the worst that could happen? He could hear me. Okay, I'm doing it for you. Oh, Rachel, don't, don't you dare, don't, don't! Tell him I cook! Excuse me. Hi. Hi. Um, this is gonna sound kinda goofy, but, um, my friend over there, who cooks, by the way, um, she thinks you're cute. You don't think I'm cute? I, I don't know, um, you think you're cute? Off the track here. Um, I was supposed to come here and tell you my friend thinks you're cute. So what should I tell her? You can tell her I think her friend is cute. It's a pretty good line. It's really good, but he was talking about Ross, I assume. <laughs> or the monkey. <laughs> the monkey. But isn't that pretty cool? And I was saying to Greg before the show, like maybe we should create a segment now where it's what's the six degrees of JCVD to any movie we ever cover. Um, or less. Yes. So to the what degrees. we're going to do in the spirit of our good friends and our homage form of our good friends, uh, Paul Schaefer and the Sunshine Band. Um, <laughs> CBS Orchestra. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, close. <laughs> we should create a little jingle. Yeah. Tonight. More jingles. Tonight. I've got the piano. We've got, We've the, got piano the piano and i got some wine. I've got five strings on my six string guitar. Oh, but you didn't get it strong? I, I should got, get Carol to bring the guitar. I've got my ukulele. Anyway, let's keep going. Let's forge ahead. That's that's Marcel the monkey. That's pretty interesting. But let's get into the some heavier topics here because I do have a, a central gripe with this movie, which I started AIDS. to allude to. Yeah, don't like AIDS. That's my stance on AIDS. I'm anti. No, the fundamental flaw in this movie, I think, is 
Now, it all depends, I guess, on your expectations. Now, so to be fair to the movie, I just watched Contagion a few nights before. But I'll try not to be too unfair. I think uh-huh. I think the film does set this up itself because the opening quote it has when the film starts is, "Yes, the virus is mankind's ultimate predator. Um, which incidentally is by Robin Cook, who's a doctor and also a writer, but not the writer of the book that this is loosely based on. So it's kind of funny. But um, that when that's the first thing you show, you're like, okay, so equivalent of like the bad guy or the evil force or is the, the virus is the virus. But but then what unfolds in the in the movie is man's the virus. Man's the virus. So which is fine if that's. But the way it presents this is this is the uh, thesis of the movie and then it doesn't do that. Uh, that's a good point. It, it just takes what is like an interesting angle of, yeah, no, the Man virus is the enemy virus. and just drops it into a bucket of normal shit. Shoehorns it into a disaster movie template of like. Good versus bad. Yeah, the guy that knows that things are going to go bad but the military guy that's not listening and he's going to get it right and they're all wrong. And It's interesting. Know. Yeah, that's, that's a really good call. Yeah, it does highlight how much cinema oh, and storytelling or whatever you want to call it has changed in yeah in that context of like what what a character is that yeah then and now like exactly it's so good guy bad guy very clear it's very ninety five I think the, it's that. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah so twenty five years later and you know what, things are much more complex They're, yeah <laughs> even just a but just the way a character evolves in the you know in the ninety minutes we watch them or something mm. it's usually. Yeah, the whole anti-hero. Yeah. You know, imagine if if this film was made right now, can you imagine uh, how much more um, flawed, I guess. He would at um, least be an alcoholic. He would at yeah. least be a pisshead. Yeah. And they'd be divorced because he wouldn't he be getting back. Hookers. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. wouldn't be getting back together. He'd probably die. He'd be a Tony Soprano type. Yeah. It's a retirement community, Ma. Wow. A double skull. My perception of this may also be skewed by what's going on in the world right now, obviously. But I think that's important to call out in like the accuracy of this movie and depicting an outbreak to, so to speak, Uh in in how we would respond to that. What would the kind of, I guess, the the more realistic story of this be, which I think it just kind of misses the mark a little bit. I know this is slightly different. This is more like through a military lens of what would happen if we weaponize it. But again, it's, it's turning it into what should be virus being the enemy to just man being the enemy again. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because in 2015, very interesting to hear this now, uh-huh. which you may have seen has been going viral this week, oh, is Bill Gates. of words, mate. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh shit. Um, Bill Gates did a TED talk in 2015. Um, the, the kind Hit of it. theme of this was not missiles but microbes, which sounds like would be the thesis of this movie, right? When I was a kid, the disaster we worried about most was a nuclear war. That's why we had a barrel like this down in our basement filled with cans of food and water. When the nuclear attack came, we were supposed to go downstairs, hunker down, and eat out of that barrel. (laughs) Today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe doesn't look like this. Instead, it looks like this. One was an explosion. One was a... If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Not missiles, but microbes. Now, part of the reason for this is that we've invested a huge amount in nuclear deterrence. But we've actually invested very little in a system to stop an epidemic. We're not ready for the next epidemic. 
Let's look at Ebola. And as you look at what went on, the problem wasn't that there was a system that didn't work well enough. The problem was that we didn't have a system at all. The WHO is funded to monitor epidemics, but not to do these things I talked about. Now, in the movies, it's quite different. There's a group of handsome epidemiologists <laughs> ready to go. They move in, they save the day, but that's just pure Hollywood. Hollywood, watch your epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty interesting. There's actually a couple of videos of him talking about this kind of shit, but he basically says the Ebola outbreak made him realize that shit, we're not prepared for this at all. And he talks about like shit throughout history. If you look at spikes in mass, mass deaths, of course, World War One's there, World War II's there. The there's, rest, uh, but there's another peak, which is like the Spanish flu. Spanish flu. But he says the difference is now the the because Chinese of globalization. Flu, China. Oh, yeah. He keeps going to the, the Chinese flu. Oh, fuck. It's from China. It's from China. China. Um, but the, the, because of globalization and the way we travel now, the speed that the flu can travel, the force, I think is the phrase he uses, is 50 times greater than it was in 1918, which was Spanish flu. So the Spanish flu said relatively to today, like contained, because people weren't flying all over the world every fucking day. So it's, it, yeah, it's fucking crazy. That this, well, we've seen it now, the speed that this shit can travel. That shit is nuts. Yeah. But to your point, Greg, can we take this moment also just to fucking say, hey, it's a cool guy, Bill Gates. Very cool guy. Fucking respect. Because, you know, like when Steve Jobs was around, it was like Steve Jobs was the cool one and Bill Gates was a dweeb. But <sighs> Steve Jobs didn't Wrong. do nothing for nobody in terms of like – He was a cut. Yeah, he was horrible to his own Sorry, daughter. Can you put like a, he, he, a Bing feature when I use the C-bomb? <laughs> I'll, I'll censor it. Yeah, the, um, yeah, he was shitty to his own daughter, but that, I mean that's personal. But he – I think Apple didn't do any social cause stuff at all. And he was rife. He was a tyrant yeah. in, in the office, whereas obviously – But in terms of Bill, pop culture, Steve Jobs was so celebrated. Like the Apple versus PC ads might as well have been Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, yeah. right? Like Exactly. But it's a, it's a tortoise and hare race. Yeah. Um, obviously once you die, you're going to get overtaken regardless. But I would say that Bill Gates I think is coming into his own now. Yeah. Well, I think in many ways – he may be remembered more for the stuff he's doing now than than any Microsoft shit. He's already pretty disassociated in my Well, book. he actually very recently, as in like the last couple of weeks. Oh, really? Stood down from the board of right. Microsoft and And he seems I mean, I don't know the guy, who the fuck knows, but he seems Did genuinely Did you watch his thing on Netflix? No. Oh, no, I wanted to watch that. Yeah, yeah is we that should good? Do that. It's I think before we talk about it's one, it, I should again, watch it. it's one of those ones where I'm like this is important I should watch this. He's, yeah, but not tonight. <laughs> headlines for his like he's a fascinating guy. He was a massive introvert, super yeah. bookworm. Yeah. His parents were – his family nucleus growing up was pretty incredible. Yeah. They were pretty – I think they were all pretty smart. Right. And so his parents recognised that he was uber intelligent but yeah. very socially challenged. So they forced him yeah. into social settings like frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To basically make sure, well, <clears throat> which is it, which is which I thought was interesting. Seymour. Yeah. yeah, they were just like, he's got to be in there, he's got to be in there. Yeah. Like Seymour. <laughs> um, which. Was uh, he barking at people? Because that's what Seymour does. I don't think he was a barker. Okay. Anyway, good. and he reads, he's a prolific reader, obviously, which I envy. Yeah. Yeah, I envy that. Amongst pretty much all of his other talents. Yeah, respect to Steve Jobs. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> he wore that, that came out wrong. <laughs> yeah, Steve Bill Jobs. Gates. I mean, that just goes to show it's building my Both fucking DNA. 
Um, yeah, so I think I mentioned this before. To, coming back to this movie, where I was going with there is A, that's become hyper-relevant to what's happening in the world right now. But B, going into the movie when that title card comes up with that quote is like, okay, that's this is what the movie's going to be, and it wasn't. Now, if I may, Greg, please allow, indulge me. Let me compare this to another movie called Contagion, which really does nail that kind of version of the story, that that's the, that that Bill Gates version of the story, where the enemy is the virus. Yeah, yeah, they do it. The, what, so what year did Contagion come out? I think 2011, I okay. think, somewhere around there. And it's a Soderbergh joint. The cast is also stacked. Steven it's got or? Steven Soderbergh yeah. at, like, at his peak in terms of popularity. So there's Not Larry Soderbergh? Everyone, not Larry. Everyone in there is somebody, like Marion Cotillard, is that her name? Yeah. Everyone's Jude Law, uh, Kate Winslet. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, who Gwyneth dies. Paltrow. Well, so this is one of the main things. So what this movie does really well is just – where do I start? There's there's a lot more subtlety in just showing how rapidly and easily something like this can travel. So like in Outbreak, they construct these elaborate circumstances for the thing to travel and it's like, and that's when the monkey spat on oh, and then the kid wanted to bite his cookie and these things just, it's like watching Final Destination and like there's some crazy orchestration of like, oh, and, yeah, if, yeah, and yeah. if this happens, this, and if then and this happens, and that's where the roller coaster exactly. splits. Exactly. And, and it's all a bit much. Whereas this, is, it is what's happening now and it's literally just doorknobs. And yeah. yeah, it's that kind of shit. I, I remember, if I may, when yeah. um, Contagion was released at the cinema, there was a brilliant quote saying, this will do for, oh crap, this will do for going to work what, um, Jaws did to going to the beach, oh, right? Or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good because it is. It is that. And if I had seen it at the time, I hadn't seen it before. And that's what's happening it. at the moment, isn't it? So like, this, contagion is more bang on to what's happening now. The, the virus they have is much deadlier, but in terms of everything around it too. So in, uh, outbreak or in contagion is, oh, is, is more real. It's oh, sorry, deadlier than what's happening in real world now. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant an outbreak. No, no, not really? an outbreak. They, it's they probably bleed out their eyes. similar. They die pretty quickly. But in terms of how it travels, it's so realistic. And the fact you pointed out, Gwyneth Paltrow dies in the first five minutes. I think it's a really <laughs> – but throughout the movie, like I said, the cast is stacked. So throughout the movie, there's these major stars and it's almost like this meta use of stardom to show that this can kill anyone because people just die. And you thought, oh, I thought that was the main character. Like this is like Game of Thrones season one, Ned Stark dying yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wait, so what? just suddenly like Kate Winslet's sick and then the next scene she's in a body bag and you're like, oh, but I thought she was the main character. So mm. it does – and Gwyneth Paltrow dies immediately and the movie opens and you're like, okay, it's a movie about Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, no, she did. Mm. So it does that a lot, which I think is a, a more realistic and fucking scary depiction of like, yeah, anyone can get it, not just the red shirts. Yeah. It's basically that same thing like in, in Outbreak. Kevin Spacey dies and a bunch of people that aren't important die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Dustin Hoffman ain't dying. Rene Russo is going to pull through. You know, that's not how the world works and Contagion fucking nails that really well. And the other thing I would say is what we're seeing now in the human – you alluded to it in the the response to even um, O.J. Simpson. The fact – that's why I was calling it out because I think this movie nails it too. It's what's happening right now is like there's the virus – but then there's also the response to the virus, so a.k.a. toilet paper, we can't fucking get it. There's That type of shit was happening in Contagion too. So it just kind of it really nailed it on so many levels. And it was those types of things 
that this movie didn't quite nail. And I saw an interview with Soderbergh talking about it where he's basically talking about all the things he didn't want this movie to be and he may as well have been listing everything that Outbreak was, which is pretty funny. Well, the challenge is to avoid the cliches that that typically fill this kind of, you know, scary, modern horror film in a way. So, because as I said to Scott, I, I want it to be intimate. I want it to be personal. And so we sort of drew up a list of things that we didn't want to do in the film. For instance, cutting to a shot of Paris, even though none of our characters ever go there. I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to see the president, yeah. you know, no actor right? playing the president. You know, we just sort of made a list of things that we'd seen before. And so then the film begins to be defined sort of by what you don't want it to be. And he goes into a bunch of stuff that I kind of already covered, but you get the idea. And what I, what I mean, I know we can't evaluate Outbreak just by comparing it to this movie, but I think in terms of, you know, a lot of what we do on the podcast is like, how does it hold up today? In today's cultural context, blah, 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 blah you got to say that Outbreak doesn't quite capture the vibe we're in now, whereas Contagion no, kind of does. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Not that I, I don't I don't not like Outbreak. It was fine. It's fine. I think it thought it was doing that in a lot of ways. Like we made it human by showing the relationship between Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo. But yeah. It's very one-dimensional. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was great in 95 and it's still like I, I didn't go, this is total crap. Yeah. I just like, I oh, it. this is old. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't capture. I mean, there are there are moments, and there are conversations. They capture at moments the fear. I think there's yeah. a few comment. I can't remember any exact quotes, but there were moments where Carol and I were like, "Oh, that's pretty close." To, yeah, should we be doing this this week? Yeah, yeah, because we've had a few of those moments. Like this has been a weird week, man. It's so Greg's 100%. not working from home yet. I am. There's all there's on all levels. There's weird things where like yeah. the waves of like sentiment around this thing. I've been very conscious of it because I've been doing it too. It's like a few weeks ago, it was doom and gloom and scary, and then it's like we went into this thing of denial. And there's so many Facebook posts of most people are going to be just fine. So everyone relax. Yeah, uh, everyone relax. You're going to be fine. People die from the flu every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we talked about this. Like, yeah, wait. It's fine for us, but other people are going to yeah, die. It took like, me a people are going to die. It took me a while that, too. I was the same because I was probably the, I was one of those people going, "Everyone relax, it's fine." Yeah, it's fine. It gets old people, and I'm then like, you're like, oh, "Wait, oh, I know old people. Yeah, I like them. Wait, I want them around." Yeah, and then and now we're in this wave now of like, "Fuck, no, stay home. You'll be fine." But think of so it's been really interesting just to watch that unfold. All the shit with the panic buying too. It's crazy, and I have yeah. to check myself every now and then. Because I've got asthma and apparently all the asthma meds are selling out and I'm like, yeah. oh, I should go buy some. Well, no, nah, I've got enough now. that I have. So oh, like, really? Hook us up, bro. <laughs> I'd I've, like got, some, I've got my, I've got one puff up. But that's I'd like I some right anti-anxiety pills. Yeah, I'd like some toilet paper. This is the other thing though. We you got any Xanax? Any are, friends of the show want to share some Xanax <laughs> some with, Zannies? with Greg? Man, Ara already bulk buys toilet paper. Generally. but She's a Costco shopper, right? Yeah, but now we're getting to the point where we actually legitimately need toilet paper. <laughs> so fucking can't find shit. Yeah, it's uh. it's scary. And it's happening around the world. I think Australia, once again, we've been the, the excuse the pun, the asshole of the world. Yeah. Whereby we've seen, it's, it's our people that are fighting over toilet paper. But it is spreading now. But it, and it becomes a self-perpetuating thing because, yeah, I want toilet paper now. I need it, but... I was embarrassingly caught shopping online the other night by my wife. Oh, you're purchasing. I was looking at a machete. 
Because <laughs> I just feel that regardless of what we face into, a machete is a versatile tool. Yeah. If you're w- walking through a banana plantation. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I've been looking at machetes. haven't gone too much further than that. I'm just, uh, that's where my head's at. Yeah. I mean, I want a machete in. Uh, machetes are cool. They're very cool. I've always wanted one. Yeah. Have you got a trench coat that you can tuck it uh, under? No, that, I'd be more of a tactical vest. They like come with machete. a strap. Like actually. a vest? Well, like, like Yeah, like Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Look, the one thing I would say about everything we're going through is it will create some great content out of the internet. Yeah, and um, it has. It already has. I mean, well, in many ways we've been saved, I would argue. Wouldn't you? You know, because I think it's times like these when we just want to hear advice from celebrities, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and <laughs> I want them from their mansions. Yeah, to sing. To sing to me. Uh, uh, the, the most obvious song Cliched. you could sing. So um, what we're referring to in our sarcastic way here is some, a bunch of celebrities got together and sang, Imagine. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. The John Lennon song, hey, I'm the, I am the biggest, one of the biggest John Lennon fans in the world, so don't get me wrong. I love John Lennon, but could you pick a more obvious? And I love Gal obvious, Gadot. I love Gal Gadot. She's, she's the one who orchestrated it. But it's a, a montage of all these celebrities singing this bloody song, <sighs> a good song, but uh, it's a bit on the nose. There's not much subtlety to it. And also when you start to unpack the lyrics, they're not the ones that should be singing this song. These are rich people who don't have to worry about not working for the next few months, whereas a lot of casual workers out there, a lot of, I don't know how it works in the US, but a lot of people who aren't getting paid right now, and they're like, imagine no possessions. Yeah, easy for you to say in your fucking mansion. Easy for me to say. Yeah. You're in a fucking mansion. It's it's way tone deaf. As is and much it's just as singing. awkward and it's and almost lame. Yeah, and why? 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 Yeah, and we both had the similar thing. We were like, is it a joke? I reckon what some of them, this? there's going to be a big backlash. Because some probably Not don't know matters. what they're contributing to. People aren't focusing on this shit at the moment. People are focusing on how the fuck they're going to survive with no yeah. income and no job. Yeah, well, this is trivial shit, but uh, this is what we're about. But <laughs> when the backlash comes, and it will come, yeah, they'll be like, oh, I thought it was a parody. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, man. it's. But yeah, but, and the main thing is that Gal Gadot still looks so hot with no makeup on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Something I do think is cool is is the artists that are genuinely just streaming performance stuff, and that's going to be. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah, that's cool. I, so, I, in terms of just sharing and keeping people company, and that's fucking great. But yeah. In terms of, and I, it's Gal Gadot. She's a nice person. It seems like it's all fine intentions. Yes. But it's just fucking cringe, man, and that's slightly tone deaf. But, and we can't offer much, but if this podcast has brought you any joy. There you go. That's something. Nice. But um, for now, Greg and I are going to sing uh, John Lennon's Imagine. Ning, 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 ning. Imagine there's ning, ning, no ning, heaven. Ning, ning. It's easier for you try. That's more of a George voice. Though. Oh, Bruce, uh, Bruce's new favourite song is Yellow Submarine. 
Oh, I wrote a song about an octopus. <laughs> you got anything else? That's my Ringo. Yeah, well, uh, why don't we wrap up on just, why is it that we're all watching these damn movies, Greg? Well, I think they do provide some sort of relief. Some catharsis, perhaps. Yes, I think there must be something in the playing I playing agree. out the scenarios. So, so context, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show I watched 28 Days Later, which I've seen before. Yep. Which is actually a really good movie if you like. I love zombie movies. Yeah. Um, especially the fast zombies. Uh, the Walking Dead, they were too slow for my liking. Yeah, if you're dying in The Walking Dead, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, you've. At yeah. this point, early days, sure. But now, come on. Yeah. <sighs> Just run. It's very slowly coming right for us. Ah, ah. ah. It's like the guy getting run over by the steamroller. Exactly. 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 He's his henchman. So, yes, yeah, sorry. I, so I, I think I found it cathartic in that you kind of play out scenarios in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of I think so. human. Uh, I think there's, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? It's a human nature thing. I don't know. But uh, like the boy it's bear. It's soothing. To, it is soothing. To, it's catharsis, you, this thing. Yeah. I was, catharsis is one of those words I wasn't totally sure if I knew the meaning of. But I'm having, not sure either, but I'm going to take your word for <laughs> but it. But having dived more into it's it tonight, uh, earlier today, when, in looking into this, I think it is catharsis. And I think there's also just an element of it's a movie, so you're kind of observing it from the outside from a safe distance, and it's like if she goes bad, it's just a movie. If she goes yeah. well, it makes me feel better. It's probably going to get resolved in the end. So it's it's a way to dip your toe in and explore maybe how things might pan yeah. out maybe. But in terms 100%. of – well, it's interesting because it has followed the pattern of the virus itself. So there's been a few spikes in the downloads of Contagion. So we talked about that. Significantly. Being, yeah, but it first spiked in Korea ah. <laughs> and it's since spiked in the other markets. So it's it's pretty interesting. I was, I was reading up – because I was trying to – there hasn't been a lot of content written about this phenomena specifically. So I was thinking more about similar analogous situations. So like why do we like horror movies? And so there's a lot written about that around how or violence. Yeah. The, the, the catharsis, you, the violence catharsis you get in watching violence, the theory is it makes you less likely to be violent in real life. So you get that release in watching mm. it and therefore – you're less likely sure, to do it in real life. there's a tipping point in there somewhere. Well, there probably is, and that's so to speak. And, and, and Where's I think, porn fitting that? Well, yeah, there you go. Oh, that's interesting because there are there's like a that's a more literal relief. No, but there is like a sex drought with Gen Z or something because they watch so much porn. Yeah, so that's it actually checks out. But there's also they say it's not all. That's generally true, but there's it may have the inverse effect with children, for instance. So, oh. so you don't want to watch. You don't want to have kids watch too much violence because they may adopt the behavior versus having the cathartic release. Um, there's a lot of articles out there about why scary movies are good for you, which is interesting because I've gone through this phase in the last couple of years of wanting to watch scary movies, and I didn't know I couldn't be I wouldn't be able to tell you why. But this makes it make sense a bit. But yeah, there's this psychotherapist named Anita Moss who says she, yeah, she's an expert in anxiety and fear related issues, and she says. Watching scary movies is a lot like watching Greek theatre. It's a way for the audience to experience what the actors are living out. So you're watching it, there's release, but you're the audience and it's very exhilarating. You get all the payoff without any of the risk or something, I suppose. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, what's his name? Eli Roth, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, Mr. Gornography. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He says the films that really strike a chord with the public are often re- reflecting that consciously or unconsciously feeling. The Atomic Age, post-9-11, post-Iraq War, 
it's hard to predict what people are going to be afraid of. He talks about the the popularity of zombie movies. This was back in 2013. But basically saying that often the things people are drawn to in horror are reflective of things that are happening in society. So I guess uh-huh. what we're seeing here is very much in line with that, which is interesting. We've just got it. It's easier. Well, we can. These are quite literal reflections. Yeah, literal so, reflections. Yeah. And because of the way we consume our content these days, you can you can get it and we can track it. So Yeah, yeah we can track it. So we don't need. Video Easy or Blockbuster to go, hey, a lot of people have rented uh, a weekly release outbreak lately. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Netflix can go, hey, or Apple TV can go, hey, our yeah. number one tracking thing globally. You know, like we got the data there. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. To remind us. Yeah, and it's interesting. I remember at uni they talked a bit about like horror movies always being allegories and shit, which is fair enough, but I guess I never thought about it as people maybe unconsciously but almost intentionally seeking out catharsis on these uh-huh. tensions. They wanted the tension relief or tension release on these issues they're thinking about. Yeah, yeah it's pretty interesting. It's it checks out because we've been watching it. We we decided to do this movie because almost off the back of us wanting to watch like, these oh, movies right now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's – it's yeah. It checks out. It hey, checks you, out, you watch Contagion. Everyone's watching Contagion. I yeah. watched those 28 days. I went a bit – I kind of – I turned up the volume a little bit. Yeah. 28 days later, watch it. It's good. That's good. That's a Danny Boyle Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we get into the verdict? Let's get into the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. Nothing further, Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Bechdel. Bechdel, it's a no, I think. Or there's a little girl talking to a monkey and the monkey's a girl. That's a no. Doesn't count. That's a no. <laughs> ah, I can't reach the button. He whose foot controls the soundboard controls the media. Uh, um, porn parody? I hope not. I don't think so. Outbreak, probably. S- Simpsons did it? Don't think so. I mean, maybe a subtle reference, but I think it's a no. Um, special effects, fine. Actually, there were a few good special effects. Someone pointed special out. Special effects were good. Someone pointed out on Instagram today. Actually, similar to your fear of the office, like fear of the beach with Jaws thing, was there's, there's a cinema scene in this where it shows the sneeze traveling. Oh, that was great. Yeah. That was good. And that, the person on Instagram commented, like, yeah. when I watched this in cinema, yeah, that was that was Brendan Barrett, friend of the show. Ah, friend of the show. Yeah, big friend of the show. Um, that was interesting. I didn't think about that because obviously I was watching it. Yeah, home. that was obviously designed. Yeah. And there were a few cool, almost like uh, David Fincher-esque shots like that where it shows something through the vent and it comes out. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. And they check out pretty well. I mean, they they could be slightly sharper these days, but they work out pretty well. Yeah, and Kevin Spacey had some good face eye bleeding. Oh, fuck that guy. (laughs) So where where are you netting out? I'm netting out on... I mean, in this current situation now, for all the reasons we just said, it may be fun to watch it. Maybe you'll get some catharsis. It's not the. It's definitely not the one. Like if I had one to take with me as like, okay, virus movies <laughs> or like, I don't know, this kind of virus-based thriller. It I, transcends I would, a bit though because it's – But it's, How but many it's, explosions are there in – yeah, but that's why Contagion. it's not important though because it, to me it's like – 19- That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's oh, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. It pulls it out of yeah, yeah. virus movie into broad 
into into action. anything. That was what I had. Nineteen ninety five mediocrity. Like yeah. it's just it's, <laughs> it could be any movie in nineteen ninety five. I'm going to give it a pass. I'm going to give it a rewatch. I'll, just give, I'll give it a conceded pass. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What are we doing next? Um, oh, we we're back to JCVD territory, which means you will get the full download of oh, our evening with Jean Claude Van Damme. They've probably been waiting, and I've probably forgotten about our evening. I wish I took more notes, but oh well, it was good, and you he's a be good all guy. And you better be all ears, so to speak. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Ear necklace. So we're doing Universal Soldier next week because it's episode sixty, the next movie in the JCVD filmography. Get ready because it's an important one. It's a good one, I think. Yes. I haven't really watched it yet. I watched it. But I love it. This was um, a big one for me. In the meantime, friends of the show, stay safe. Yeah, guys. Follow the guidelines. Yeah. Uh, we'll get through this thing together. We hope we're providing some temporary relief in the shit situation for you all. We'll be highly active on the socials in the coming weeks, so if you're not already, find us on Instagram and the Facebooks. Yeah, and if you're bored at home, drop us a line through the Instagram and we'll have a chat or whatever. Yeah, and if you want to show up on the Double Impact Mailbag segment, right, leave us a review. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.